Hey, hey, welcome to LDS Transitions. Today is August 2nd, 2021, and hopefully I don't ramble too much in this episode. It's easy to do so. Uh, right now we're going through quite the grieving process, and um, but I wanted to talk about how it relates, and we'll see how well I, if I end up publishing this or not. Um, I guess you won't know unless I publish it, uh, but... Uh, uh, if you hear noise, it's because I'm on the freeway, um, and I apologize about that. I am just leaving the funeral home of dropping off the clothes for my son that passed away this last week. Now, I want to talk about the correlations of mourning and transitioning and faith and the parallels that it has with the loss of a loved one. Now, um, this is heavy, right? Um, I may sound a little bit upbeat. I may sound, hey, all's well in Zion, right? Um, uh, So don't take me too much out of context. Part of the grieving process is you can sound very normal and very happy. You can sound joviant, but also suffering at the same time. You're going to go through these cycles of everything's fine, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, You're going to go through times of anger, of just denial, um, of acceptance. Um, And they're going to cycle. And that is normal. And so if you've experienced death and you haven't experienced a faith transition and you're listening to this and saying, um, (laughs) whatever, dude, you're just angry at the church. Dude, the person's going through a very intense grieving process <coughs> of losing everything that they've understood um, as far as their morals goes, as far as their transition, as far as their belief in afterlife, where we come from, where we're going, <coughs> what's the purpose, you know, um, what you know, what's, what's going to happen after this life? Is there a creator that loves us, that created us, that, uh, defined us? Um, so I've got a little bit of a frog in my throat. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry. Um, so it is intense. It is normal. Um, I mean, part of the issue is, hey, dude, uh, the fact that you can record this, obviously, you know, your son's death may just not have meant much to you because, dude, there's no way I can record something like this um, after my son's death. You know, there's gaslighting. There's, hey, there's, hey, this doesn't make sense to me, so I'm going to invalidate it. Um, You can do that with yourself. Uh, other people, it's easy to dismiss, but the pain's there. Just because right now I'm not bawling in a bunch of tears doesn't mean that it's not real. doesn't mean that I'm not feeling it. I mean, <coughs> excuse me, I may not be feeling it immensely at that very moment. I may be blocking it. I may be performing something where... 
hey, I'm trying to do something such as a task and I've got to pretend like all's good, right? Um, so it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Um, and uh, it hurts. It hurts immensely. Um, so just as there can be issues with mourning and people validating your mourning, we're trying to say, oh, it's okay. Everything's fine. You know, um, you know, he, he's going to make it to the celestial kingdom or, oh, that's too bad. He's lost forever. You know, um, so let me give you a little bit of a background. My son was adopted around the age of three. He came from foster care. He was in a severely neglected household um, where, well, the parents weren't really there. Um, Scavenged for food, uh, sexually abused, and he also uh, had other mental disabilities such as ADHD. Not that that's, hey, something's wrong with you, just his coping mechanism, his impulse control, uh, stuff like that is, uh, is very difficult on him. Um, and then with that being in a high demand religion, uh, he made you know, is too much for him, way too much for him, and, you know, I as a believer, you know, all during his, all during his childhood, um, I was a believer, it wasn't until after he started getting into hardcore issues, um, such as, gangs, drugs, um, sleeping around with, like, anybody he could, um, I was still a believer to an extent, you know, I, I contacted his, uh, bishop, you know, down in wherever, and (coughs) trying to get him the help that he needed and stuff, um, now I started doing some sort of a faith transition, but it was very early on. Um, but now here he is in his early twenties, and I couldn't tell him, "I'm sorry for what I said when I was Mormon." I wish I could. Um, I had a few minutes with him all by myself while in the hospital before he was taken off life support, and, uh, I told him that, I said, I'm sorry what I said when I was Mormon, he grew up in a high demand religion with so many expectations, because that's where happiness lied, and it was so difficult for him, and I couldn't see it, that's the only way we knew his parents, We didn't see any other alternative in raising him and helping ease his boundaries and helping him set appropriate boundaries that made sense for him, such as, dude, don't do drugs. I don't care, you know, hey, have safe sex, you know. Hey, make sure you're respecting her boundaries, 
you know, or, hey, do this, or, hey, do that. But in the context of a, a humanitarian way of approaching, you know, kids that that isn't going to push them where they think that they're not of worth. You know, my son wanted to please me. He wanted me to be proud of him and being part of a high-demand religion with his conditions, with his abuse, with his emotional issues, with his inability to uh, develop in some ways um, because of that abuse and the healing that he needed caused so many issues where he could have had a more successful life. Um, You know, I don't know that he would have prolonged his life a whole lot longer because he, you know, he may have been into, like, jumping off cliffs, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he's a thrill seeker. Um, And uh, he, he may have died early in life because of uh, other type of choices that may not be healthy, but uh, but at least um, may sorry may not have prolonged his life uh, much, but uh, may have caused an early life, but not one as destructive and as uh, affecting other people as as intensely. So he's got a couple kids. He hasn't been married. Uh, didn't hold down a job. He's been in prison, um, and we don't we don't know the cause of death per se. Uh, we may find that out, but it's it's irregardless. It's like there's nothing I can do now. He he's gone, um, and I may not see him again. You know, I don't know that there's an afterlife. And no matter how many people want to try to comfort me, you know. Um, I don't know. On the other hand, if there is a benevolent God, if there is an all-seeing, all-loving God, and there is a personal relationship with God, and and based off of that, and you know, your willingness to to maybe follow the two great commandments of loving God and loving your neighbors, <coughs> you know, maybe that's all he would need if 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 there is a God, right? Um, but I don't know if there is a God. I don't know that he exists anymore except for the memories that we have. Um, and it's sad and it's hurtful that I can't see him, that I can't give him hugs anymore, that I can't tell him I love him, that I can't tell him I'm proud of him. It's a real grieving process. And it's very similar to losing your faith or to have a faith transition or to go through a faith crisis because this thing that you so cherished in your life that gave complete structure to your life is now seen as nothing. It's just some person's fairy tale that carried people on and people cling to when you find out that the truth claims just don't add up and that there's a bunch of uh, smokes and, you know, when you see the wizard behind the curtain, uh, 
that's, you know, pretending to make things look all majestical and magical and wondrous. And to see that disappear, wow. You know, you you lose your sense of self. You lose your sense of your your complete foundation of of uh, what morality is, of what the eternities look like, of you know what is right, what is wrong, and you lose all that, and you have to regain that. You have to rebuild that, and it's a loss. It's a death. Your your old self dying. And then being reborn and maybe dying again and then being reborn, you know, as you go through a deconstruction of one phase or other. And it is traumatic and it's real. It's real as just the death of a, of a loved one. Um, except it may be a death of yourself, a death of your community. Sometimes a faith transition could be more painful than a death. Especially if your loved one that's passing maybe lived a full long life. And it's just kind of, it's their time, right? And you've been able to say everything and, you know, you're fully prepared for it. doesn't change the fact that you've lost them and that you're still going to grieve and go through the process. But you're probably going to have a little bit more acceptance and maybe not as painful in, in certain regards. Um... It's hard to say, right? But my point of making this episode is that pain is real in these faith transitions. They're real. And it doesn't... It, it's no different than losing someone in your life of a death. You are in a faith transition, a faith crisis. You are mourning your own spiritual death, if you will. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to be careful in saying that, right? Because someone's going to say, See, you died. You don't have the light in you anymore. You are dead. You have been <coughs> cast off. You've abandoned God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you come to a point where you can't reconcile your beliefs and so you grieve because the narrative that you were brought up with, that you trusted, that your community, your family, your religious leaders, scriptures, everything that pointed you in a direction you now realize is a bunch of hooey and you have to rebuild that in some form or other or completely deconstructed. And then you have to rebuild your morals and stuff. One difference is, is that I can't rebuild my son, okay? So that is one difference. But I can choose how I remember him. I can choose to embrace him as an individual, and I can throw out the high demand uh, trauma that he went through and I can paint his narrative in a better light not that, you know, I'm not painting a narrative that is false but I'm painting a, me a memory of him um, 
and that that brings a whole nother topic is so is that also implying that the church painting a narrative that holds up for them um is that healthy or is it a lie um you know if grandkids down the road if they never hear that he went to prison or that he was in a gang maybe he killed people i don't know um, if they were to then later decide, discover that, and then they were to judge him, is that not similar to the church, and should we judge the church? <laughs> yeah, I know, different paradoxes, and, and not something that I really care to discuss, because, huh, yeah, so is the church acting in a normal, natural state to paint a healthier narrative, because... Their shit stinks just like everybody else's. Well, the difference is, is that my son is no longer alive and can't speak for itself where the church keeps going and going and going. Um, yeah, Joseph Smith isn't alive either, right? But the church keeps going. Um but we don't worship Joseph Smith's family. The the people that are trying to keep that narrative away are because they're in positions of power. They don't want... Uh, it, it's different. I don't depend on my life and my moral state and compass to be based off of my child's narrative. But religion does. So you can't treat them as the same. They're different. They have a lot of similarities, but they're different. My child changing his narrative or presenting his narrative like at his funeral, his eulogy, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out the good parts. And I'm going to share those. But you can't treat the church in the same way. Because people depend on it to move forward with their beliefs and their structure. Um, I'm so glad they don't do death mass anymore. Um, yeah, I don't want pictures of my son in the hospital. I don't want pictures of my son in his, uh, in his casket. I don't need that. I have that memory that will probably no, never go away when they took him off life support and the skin color changed where I saw the life going out of him physically that that's something that I won't see go away um <laughs> sorry for the morbidity but uh it has a lot of parallels. It has a lot of structure to it. Um, it has a lot of pain to it. So my uh, my two cents on this, don't be too hard on someone that's had a faith transition. They've lost something dear to them. It is painful. It is real. Another thing is, don't be too hard on yourself. It's a real grieving process. It hurts. It's tremendously impactful in your life. 
and it is a real grieving process. Third, tell your children you love them. Tell your family members you love them. You don't know when the next time is you'll be able to do that. Heal relationships where it makes sense. If it's a toxic relationship, try to be kind, but keep your distance as needed, but try to be kind. Say loving things, you know, because you don't know when you might have that time where you can't say anything at all and you wish you had. Um, it's real. It is real. I want you to understand that it's okay too. It's okay to not have a belief in God. It's okay to not know that there is nothing out there. I've, I've deconstructed a lot I don't know that there's an afterlife. I hope. But if so, it's it's not going to be based off of any narrative I've heard so far. Nothing makes sense that would help me understand that data that's stored in biological tissue, such as memories, are also somehow transferred to some other matter that can be recorded. Maybe it is, right? Um, you know, things will hang around. You have a, you know, if you delete files off of a hard drive, there's still a magnetic resonance that can be picked up and data can be manipulated or, or fixed so that it's there. Uh, you know, if, if you really want to destroy your data, best thing to do is to melt it in a furnace so the matter completely transforms and the, it, it changes, it's chemically changed. The matter's still there, but the data's not. And it can't be retrieved back. So it needs to go through a very different process. So that data, just like fossils, may remain in some fragmented form or another. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it'll come back to its original s state. You can't go and take a fossilized item and have it come back to its its prior state as a living entity. You can see what it was. You have data. And so uh, a basis of resurrection, it's hard to have a hope for that when science... You know, and if this life is based off of the life we come from, right, it doesn't make sense why that would be the way it is. So, rather than trying to understand, I have a hope in the unknown that there's something out there that we may not comprehend. Um, but uh, can we bring back that data, you know, if, if a brain has a lack of oxygen for greater than 10 minutes, um, you're likely going to be brain dead. Your brain cells deteriorate 
and that data in a sense uh, deteriorates so that it's no longer there um, and bits of it may not be there you know it's when sometimes when a memory happens um, it reminds me of visiting some family uh, where my um, where my wife's uh, grandma lived and we went and and uh, visited the the house where she stayed I was totally turned around I hadn't been there in 20 years and nothing looked like it it did before and um, if I go back and visit my my hometown where I grew up and stuff everything's changed um, and it's hard to have a memory of exactly how it was especially when you compare it to now um, you, you've got those glimpses of memory but how accurate is it um, is it because you've lost pieces in your minds rebuilding those memories to a certain extent um, I don't know and can I really trust chemical um, reactions in my brain as far as what's truth and uh, and the validation of those truths so yeah um, I can't be a literal believer anymore I can't reconcile what I was taught because logically it doesn't make sense to me doesn't change the fact that I love the concept of Christianity, of a loving Savior, of, hey, love your neighbor, love God, forgive, give grace, um, have mercy. Those humanistic qualities I absolutely love, and I base a lot of my current narrative on, not that there is a Christ or a resurrection, but... Um, just in humanity, you know, we can do better as a people, we can do better, um, to give more support and love and, um, and become a better civilization. Um, and I know that this is, you know, straying a little bit away from where I was, but, it also kind of ties in as well. Um, so just be kind to yourself. Um, a lot of times we want answers and we just don't have the answers. We have pieces of data. We can have hope. You know, people have dreams of seeing people in the afterlife. They have maybe an experience where they think they hear someone's voice. And I'm not saying they do or they don't. Um... But, uh, you know, there are glimmers of hope out there. Does it mean that the narrative is right? Does it mean that the construct that our uh, bodies are telling us is is accurate? Um, or is it just a part of our mind that's trying to rebuild a relationship or heal a pain, you know? Um, our body doesn't like to feel pain wants to be healed from it and there's a lot of emotions there's a lot of hurt and that pain needs to be handled um, and the pain that you go through in a faith transition or the loss of a family member it's huge 
it's quite huge. Um, so be kind to yourself. Give grace to yourself. Um, that is my thought. That is my wisdom. Wasn't that a good podcast? I'm just kidding. This isn't all for me, but it does help me reflect and give perspective, if you will. Um, hopefully I'll be able to be a, a better husband and supporting my wife through her grieving. Hopefully I'll be able to process through the grief a little bit better because of my reflecting on it. Um, understanding that loss and pain and regret and anger are normal. Acceptance is normal. And if you have a good day, it doesn't mean that you're bad for not grieving. Um, if you need to take a step away from things, that's okay. So, there's a lot to learn about ourselves individually. Um through this process and I've learned so much through grieving um it's helped me become a better person uh but don't become a masochist and and uh, cause yourself a lot of grief because it hurts no I don't think someone does that but uh no one wants to lose loved ones um but uh yeah, be kind to yourself. So, well, I may publish this. Um, I'm not saying it's great. I mean, I coughed and I drove on the freeway and um, I was emotional. I didn't. I don't think I shared too much anger. You know, there's the hurt that I won't be able to see my son again. But uh, anyway, be kind. Okay. Be kind, rewind, um, but take care, y'all.